This is a Main Hustle Media Podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Jackie O and you're listening to Militantly Mixed. Yo, this is Rashani from the Single Simulcast. And when I'm not making you laugh or making up parody songs, I'm kicking back listening to Militantly Mixed. I would like to acknowledge that the Militantly Mixed podcast is recorded on the traditional lands of the Chumash and the Tongva people, and I wish to pay my respects to the people of those nations, both past and present. Hey y'all, I ain't done with you yet. This is the Militantly Mixed second anniversary bonus episode. I <laughs> I actually just got done finalizing the 100th episode and I hadn't been paying attention to my my email or my messenger or anything while I was finalizing the episode. So I missed that John Corbin had sent me a clip answering the question that Lorelai asked in the social distancing hangout, which you got to hear on the 100th episode, the second anniversary episode. So... I thought it might be a little bit too difficult to cut it into the episode that already existed since it was already done. So I went ahead and let that be the way it is. And I am creating this bonus episode for y'all because I actually don't really want to cut anything that John Corbin said in the clip he sent me. So this is a bonus episode in which my first guest on Militantly Mixed, John Corbin, came back to share what his journey has been like over the last couple of years and just a bit of reflection on what his own individual growth has been through his mixed race journey over the last couple of years. For those of you who may not have listened back all the way to the first episode, if you're, if you're new with us, or if you've been with us the whole time and it's just been a long time, I'm going to do a little quick recap on my relationship with John Corbin, and then I'm going to share his song, Confessions of a Mixed Up Kid, which was um, a song he wrote back in 2016, and he had shared with me leading up to our conversation, our initial conversation, before I had started Militantly Mixed, when I was, when I was in my research phase. And if you, if you listen to this, you'll get an idea of where John Corbin was a few years before we got started on Militantly Mixed. And then you'll hear his, cl- his clip at the end of this episode and you'll see where he's at now. And let me just start by saying that John being one of the first people that I got to talk to in this Militantly Mixed journey, um, I've, I've talked about it before. He was actually the seventh person chronologically that I had spoken to, but in our conversation, it had finally clicked after speaking to seven or six other people ahead of him. It With him, it finally clicked that Militantly Mixed was meant to be more conversational, less interviewee, as we kind of investigated what is this mixedness experience for us. John and I had exchanged a few, I think it was Twitter that we found each other on. We had exchanged a few DMs and then we scheduled a initial video chat, which is what I've done with everybody who's participated in the show pretty much. And we were supposed to just talk for about a half an hour, 15 minutes to a half an hour really quickly just to get a feel for each other. And then we were going to schedule a real interview for the show. In that first conversation that he and I had, that was supposed to be only 15 minutes to a half an hour, 
He was at school at the end of his day. He was supposed to head home, but we just could not stop talking. We needed to have this conversation. And I think in the course of it, um, both of us had gotten emotional and uh, we really connected and bonded over mixedness in general. And you'll hear him talk about this in a little bit. Uh, We were discovering that we were finding community in an area in which we didn't realize we needed community. I mean, I think we did subconsciously. I mean, he wouldn't have written his song Confessions of a Mixed Up Kid if he wasn't trying to figure out and exercise his uh, mixed identity. I wouldn't have started this process of going through Militantly Mixed if I wasn't trying to find it. But we didn't necessarily know that that was our intent when we started out doing our individual creations. And in talking to to John, I just remember that initial vision of him popping up on Skype and me. I don't even think I said hi yet. I think the very first words I said to him was, oh, my gosh, you could be one of my cousins. And in all the people that I had spoken to ahead of him, um, I hadn't had that. I hadn't quite had that experience yet of someone who like visibly looked like family. Um, And that was a pretty big deal for a mixed kid who, while I do grow up, did grow up with a lot of my mixed cousins. um, I didn't often see folks in the world that just looked so much like my family. And John did. And you'll hear him talk about this, too. Me calling him cousin stuck. We continue to call each other cousin to this day. I now call the militantly mixed community cousins. He also refers to uh, his community, his music community as cousins. Uh, He also has a social group on Facebook with fellow music creators and and mixed folks and things like that. So um, this word, (laughs) what seems to be such a small thing of referring to someone as a cousin, when you don't have anybody else that looks like you and your family, and you bond over something like a mixed race identity, that word becomes very powerful and very important. I don't see how I could ever separate John from being one of my cousins. As honestly, as long as I live, as long as I go through this militantly mixed process, John will always be very important to me because he was... I mean, he wasn't the first person I spoke to, but he was from the early group of people I spoke to. And our conversation was uh, hit such a nerve with me that I needed it to be the first episode of the show. So I'm always going to be grateful to John for his participation and the fact that we've stayed in each other's lives so that we can actually refer to each other, come back to each other when we're in the middle of something, you know, mixed wise. And we know that we have each other to, to talk to. There's a lot of ways in which John has been an inspiration to me over the course of the last two years, too. Part of it is knowing where he was two years ago in our conversation, how much self-doubt he had in terms of his mixed race identity and how much discomfort I think he exhibited in talking about his mixedness. A lot of us do come off very uncomfortable in the beginning. But now... It's a constant topic of conversation. He engages on the Militantly Mixed community page. He and I engage all the time. He's talking about it in his own art and on his own pages and things like that. So that is far and away from where I think we were when we first met. He also took a shot and did stand-up comedy. And he shared his clip of his, um, I guess, like school classroom performance for it. He took a, he took stand-up comedy class and 
he shared that with me and I I was so inspired by that. I had been wanting to try stand-up comedy myself. I had been taking sketch writing classes and things like that, but I I hadn't, you know, emboldened myself yet to step on that stage and attempt stand-up comedy. But when he shared his video with me, I was ready to to give it a shot. He used his own personal experience and his own personal identity his mixedness to talk about on stage. And I saw him go from uncomfortable to really comfortable over the course of that video clip. And I, I was really inspired by it and I held on to it so that when I did my own first attempt at stand-up comedy last year, I reached out to him for advice, for, for support, you know, the whole thing. So, uh, yeah, John, he's just a very important person to me. And I know he's going to listen back to this and it's going to be weird because I'm talking about him, not to him. But so right now, I just want to take a moment to talk to John. And I hope you know, I, I believe you know, but I, if you don't, I hope you know how important you are to me and how grateful I am to you for maintaining this relationship with me throughout these last two years, despite the fact that we've never met in meet space. I feel like I can go to you if I if I need a, a shoulder and ear, and I hope that you also believe that. For me, I, I think you do because of the conversations we've had over the last couple of years. Thank you for letting me share your music on the show and uh, for the continued shares that you offer on the Instagram, on the shows, in the community, and in our own private chats. I, I just really appreciate you, and I hope that we never um, we never lose that connection that that we created two years ago. And I also can't believe it's been two years. I can't believe it's only been two. It's the same way I feel about the show. I can't believe it's only been two years. I also can't believe it has been two years. It's pretty crazy where we both are now compared to where we were two years ago when we first spoke. All right. I, I don't want to reveal too much from his clip, even though I took notes and I, I wanted to talk about a few things, but it makes more sense for you to hear it from John directly. So before we do that, I'm actually going to share his song, Confessions of a Mixed Up Kid. Uh, this song was played on the first episode. So if you have heard it, bef- if you have heard that first episode, you'll be hearing it again. It'll re-familiarize you with it. If you're a new listener and you haven't dug into the crates yet, uh, like I said, John's episode is episode one. And uh, we shared Confessions of a Mixed Up Kid. And if you go back and listen to that episode, you are going to hear a different man, I think, than you're going to hear in this clip I'm about to share with you after uh, Confessions of a Mixed Up Kid. We've come a long way, I think, both together and separately. We have come a long way. And I'm, I'm just really grateful that John was willing to, to share the res- this clip that he shared in response to the question that Lorelai had in the social distancing hangout. Uh, so yes, this is a bonus episode. It's not episode 101, although maybe iTunes might force me to call it episode 101. It is a bonus episode to the second anniversary episode, and it will it will follow episode 100. Thank you again to John and to everybody who participated in the social distancing hangout for your questions and for the inspiration to reach back out to John for today's call. And without further ado, I believe this will be the third time, possibly, that John's been on the show. Please help me in welcoming back our first cousin from the Militantly Mixed family, John Corbin. 
Ceasefire. When, you, when you're watching this go on, does it break your heart to see this happen? Oh, definitely. I mean, what it is is young boys, the young folks of the community showing decades old of anger, frustration for a system has failed them. I mean, this is bigger than Freddie Gray. This is about the social economics of, of poor urban America. And, uh, you know, these young guys are frustrated, they're upset, and unfortunately, they're displaying it in a uh, very destructive manner. Yes, yes, we all know the narrative. What's wrong, bro? Ferguson scaring ya? Then the world reacts, all too embarrassing. Eyes all around, you can feel them staring in. Well, that's what I'm on right now. Just watch me walk around in my small town. Pretty, but pretty white. It's silly, I still fright that they'll only see me as black when I mostly feel white. I'm a mixed up kid in a self-assigned much blind suburban bid. But focus on aesthetics will only leave me indebted. More like in chains on a slavery refrain. Do I fit in because I'm paper bag vetted? Do you like me because your black appetite is wetted? Through much music and MTV, full of your expectation, I am empty seat. My cultural shorthands too innate to express. The attempt only puts my mind into rest. Yes, this messed up psychology bothers me and possibly hinders my movements on every shopping spree. A mixed too. I know you guys can't tell me looking at me because I'm a consistent shade. Biracial, multi-ethnic. My uh, mother was black and my father was absent. So I'm like half black, half empty. <laughs> Remember when I first heard Lawrence Hill connect me with young brothers up in Forest Hill. I never started from the bottom, but I knew I had a problem. My Rolling Stone papa treated me as forgotten. My high school years down in Lauren Park. Intelligent kid, I am going far. But the black side of town was the foreign part. And you know I was judged well before the start. But never mind the black folks. I just love the black jokes, especially playing stereotypes. Ham it up for my friends. It's embarrassing, right? Until I got stopped one embarrassing night 5-0 drive slow wasn't steering me right Already backing down, not preparing to fight I knew it wasn't racial, but the scariest sight Was even though I was wrong, I could swear I was right Since you have dark skin, a lot of people just automatically identify you as African American But the person who was African American in your family Your father was gone and your mother is white And the part of your extended family that you've been most in touch with is your mother's side, which again is white. So it, I, I could imagine a sense of disconnect of being, you know, externally identified as African American because of your skin color, but at the same time feeling like everybody in, you know, every, all of your like blood family that you, you know that's still in your life is white. I'm not sure what the yeah. question is. Maybe there isn't a question here. Maybe you just need to give an invitation to speak. And trust me, if it's an invitation I trust, I will bust because of too many years of the question. You know the question. John, where are you from? But you never accept Canada as the answer. It's not a microaggression to me because it tears open this box of memories, blowing up my past, sending shrapnel into my present reality. Your answer to the question is, my dad's from Guyana. My answer is much more complex. It's the generations of Swiss and German settlements, years of farming, keeping the peace, and serving the Lord. My mom is not merely white, just as my dad is not merely black. And oh, 
all the doors you open when you fish for my non-Canadian heritage. You just remind me of the broken father who didn't know how to love, who passed down no cultural inheritance, giving me nothing but a chest-tightening fear every time I have to interact with a black person. See, I'm a mixed up kid. A mixed up kid with a white family who accepts me, who gives me a secure sense of self when I'm with them. So it's okay if you see black, just keep the whole picture intact. And if you don't see black or you lack tact, well, we've got much more to discuss than that. It's still a fight, I'm still wrestling wrong and right. Lord, can you help me be me? It's not okay All I know is I can't run away Lord, I'ma try and be me Try and be me It's still a fight I'm still wrestling wrong and right Lord, can you help me be me? Can you help me be me? And even when it's not okay All I know is I can't run away Lord, I'ma try and be me And you're welcome. And I, I prefer black if you're gonna address me by race. And I know you <laughs> in a conversation. Like you can't just come up to me and be like, black. <laughs> Run away. Did he hear it? <laughs> I love this game. This is John Corbin here, first guest on Militantly Mixed, taking some time to reflect on the sort of two years that I've been connected with the Militantly Mixed community and what that's meant to me. And the question came up lately, and I want to reflect on it, what that's done to my, my mixed race journey. So I'm not sure I have... Uh, an immediate answer in mind. So I'm just going to reflect here and, uh, and hope that some truth comes out. Before I was on Militantly Mixed, I was on another podcast uh, talking about the mixed journey. And uh, the, the host of the podcast was white and he had married a black woman, um, both Americans, I believe. And he was trying to learn about the journey in the context of being a family person and how um, what he can learn could impact how he raised his kid. And I had a great conversation. Mm. Oh yeah, I did have a great conversation, but it felt like an interview. Uh, w. Kamau Bell, the comedian, will talk about when you are a minority in a dominant group. If you're talking about race, what comes out can sound like court testimony. It wasn't that cold, um, but I noticed the difference immediately when I started talking with Charmaine. From this has been mentioned before on Hangouts and on the pod, like when we first saw each other, she's like, oh, you look like my cousins. And that sort of led to one of the biggest uh, 
one of the biggest ideas that's evolved from that is my slogan, what to walk around and saying mixed kids are cousins. Like I'd like to put that on a shirt sometime if Charmaine doesn't beat me to it. Um, there is more, I've found myself having more in common with other mixed race folks than, uh, than black people as I'm black presenting. Um, more in common, more connection, more immediate kinship. Um, I've been able to bridge gaps in conversations with people because of our mixedness and this belief that we have this connection. So kind of the, the way that Militantly Mixed has been doing, I've been building a new family around me. And the people I'm close to or, um, or have some connection to, we've started to talk about our ethnic identities um, with more kinship and more disc and more um, openness. And so it's allowed conversations to happen. That's the one thing I didn't realize after I finished talking with Charmaine is that I actually needed to talk about this in a specific context. Uh, it's not something that I could talk with a lot around friends of mine that were black. Uh, and some people could understand it if they were a person of color that grown up in like a homogenous white community. Cause that's kind that's kind of where I live right now, you know, West of, West of Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Um, although it is changing, it's not changing in necessarily a way that, um, I could make a lot of connections, but there are people that grew up in the town that have, that recognize what it's like to be, you know, a dark face in a white space. So there's some kinship there. But I'm amazed at, you know, how open my heart has been to other folks that are mixed and trying to like draw those people to me and around me the way that I do with my music community. You know, that's something that people have spoken highly of me for in the past is being uh, community minded, communal minded and drawing people around you. And I see Charmaine doing the same. And so when you have those sort of energies together, um, it's really heartwarming. And so there, yeah, I would say that sort of where my heart has been in the last couple of years is a lot more open and that's been meaningful. And, you know, I've had these, um, conversations about my art and around my art because, you know, confessions of a mixed up kid came out in 2016 and I think was featured on the first episode. I can't remember. I hope it was. And it's a really powerful song, um, but it has actually led me to reconsider redoing that album from 2016 in a new light. And I don't know if that means new, new content or just a new perspective on how I see myself, because that is, that's, you know, from my album from 2016, a new direction. That is the whole thing is that I just started to admit, I don't like myself. I have anxiety issues and none of it's visible because I'm this quote unquote, cool looking black guy. And I'm an introvert, so I look calm and I look collected. And cool, calm, and collected don't really, th those descriptors don't really feel like me, right? Uh, mixed folks will understand that if they, if there's, and if there's one culture where they feel out of place, 
or, or, or less connected to, right? They don't know all the cultural uh, shortcuts. They don't know all the lingo. They don't know all the customs. Um, they feel out of place. That, you know, if people ascribe me as being cool because of my blackness, it's just not going to work. That's why I, um, that's why I stepped out in 2018 and did uh, some stand-up comedy and talked about that idea of like feeling like a combination of Will Smith and Carlton Banks. I'm tall. Um, uh, I get along well with people and I can rap, um, but I'm not Will Smith. Right, I feel a lot more like Carlton, and it's hard when Carlton gets derided. Right, it's like the butt of the joke. It doesn't really make you feel that black. So, um, you know, and then the and then you know, calm. It's just being quiet and being introverted does not mean I have I don't have anxiety issues or dealing with mental health struggles. And so I wanted to sort of uh, expose those and talk about those. And yeah, collected is just the one that we usually uh, follow after those other two. Cool, common, collected. The other thing I've been collecting is people uh, and stories. And that comes from empathy and it comes from, the empathy comes from understanding my own weaknesses. So I wanted to put that out there. And it's really hard to do still to perform that song, Confessions of a Mixed Up Kid, and to say in the third verse that my father's given me nothing but a chest tightening fear every time I've had to interact with a black person. That is super embarrassing to say when you're a black presenting mixed race person. Um, what I've done in these two years is own that and be vulnerable in front of audiences, um, whether that's high school students um, or, or, um, or, or people that come to my shows. Um, there is a new level of authenticity, which is what I always seek in my art and in my personality, my personhood, authenticity. There's a new level of it because I've had the opportunity to speak and process um, what it means to be mixed race. And I understand that with the militantly mixed community, um, you know, being primarily American, there, there are some differences. Um, but what I would say is my vision has changed the world that I see, especially in you know the suburb where I live, is I I see a lot more mixed race couples or interracial couples, and I can already see okay, so what's it going to be like for their kids? And I'm a teacher, so how do I affirm mixedness in classrooms? Because that's who I am. I want to be aware of black and brown students and and work towards anti-racism in the education system but where my heart is is affirming mixedness in the way that uh, it wasn't done for me and still brings up these challenges of choosing one or the other i've had people call me i've had friends call me on that 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 urgency to decide within this uh within this time of us us you know social and civil rights movement where um as people started to amplify voices, my friends started to amplify mine, and suddenly I became black, right? Visibly black. There were Canadian musician publications, musical publications that were seeking me out um, to talk about stuff in ways that they would never think to talk to me about with my music. But, you know, I had a song called Outcry that was talking about listening to the voices of the oppressed, and it was like right place and right time. And, you know, it's those opportunities are cool. But there's another 
number of people in various spheres where because they're black, they're now being asked to, to provide expertise. And I was one of those, but it's like, well, you don't know me. You don't know the struggle that it's been to connect with my blackness over, you know, decades, let alone, you know, in, you know, in this decade, in my thirties and trying to find some, some healing. Uh, that's, that's the interesting part was like, suddenly I was black and it's like this, it's this both and where I am black presenting. I have, you know, been treated differently because of how I look. Um, I do have a voice that, uh, that, that is carefully positioned, um, to not speak solely for blackness, but demand that people pay attention. It's really about the vision. Um, I have a I have a, a verse that's unreleased where I talk where I call myself a brazen optometrist. I want people to see, and I will help you see that there are marginalized voices that need paying attention to. And so I, I position myself very carefully um, because I listen. I listen to both sides um, and, and really push my community, especially the, um, the homogenous communities of, uh, of teaching where I teach and where I go to church, pushing them to listen, to look, to look and listen, right? Brazen optometrist. So that's how I position myself. Um, it's hard then when people are like, oh yeah, check out this black guy. It's like, oh man, there's so much struggle that's gone into that. Um, and I've really worked not to be bitter, but I've also struggled with guilt because um, I recognize that being in a suburb west of Toronto, being lighter skinned is way different than some of uh, my friends. Uh, and the young people I know that lived on the east side and are darker skinned, their rea their interactions with police are way different than my own. And so um, I, I don't, you know, there's it's it, it's guilt and I don't want to say survivor's guilt. It's like I don't I don't know exactly what to call it yet, um, ex except for that guilt. And uh, and Charmaine and I got got into that a little bit on an IG live a couple of weeks ago that is something I, that guilt is something I've had to process and, 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 and work on and trust that I'll still be able to find my way um, because my work has never really been about centering myself. Um, so as much as I appreciate the attention and people reading my writing and listening to my music at this time, um, I, I've sort of tried to process that within myself. My work's been about um, illuminating and pointing uh, to others. And so uh, I want to continue to do that. And that's, that is a function of my mixedness, seeing both sides uh, listening to as many sides as possible and then sharing what I've learned. It takes humility. And it's something that I want to continue because, because I can have humility in this, but you know, in this aspect, but have pride in stubbornly sticking to this false sense of self. Um, you know, like, like I said, not liking myself, not, um, 
forgiving myself for my mistakes, like, you know, within my faith, believing like who God has made me to be, um, to be so stuck in this, you know, negative mindset is actually really prideful because my faith says that I'm more like that. I'm made in the image of God. Right. Like I, you know, grew up in, you know, I know, I know that church culture is, is a, is a struggle in the States and in Canada, but I, you know, I grew up in, in some of that church culture. I remember, you know, the God don't make no junk. Like I believe that and I believe it for other people. I affirm that in them. Like I said, affirm, affirm it, my students. So why am I sticking to this mythos about myself? That's something I'm con- continuing to think through um, and and wrestle with. So I'm a lot better off for being able to have the conversation. Um, I wish I could have it more. I'm doing so much creative work, raising a family of five kids, being a, a devoted husband to a a busy and accomplished wife. Um, Yeah, I wish I could have him more. But I'm incredibly thankful for a community I didn't know I need. And even in the last couple of weeks, that has extended me towards reaching out to people in my own community in the Toronto area. There's a great guy, uh, a great singer named John O'Josh, J-O-N-O-J-O-S-H, John O'Josh. And you can look up a song called Half. And the mixed folks I know, they're texting me going, bro, listen to this song. It's about being half, half and proud. And uh, it means a lot, and I reached out. I reached out to to John and Josh. I reached out to JJ, and and just congratulated him for the song. And then, uh, and then he's connected me with um, community groups here in Toronto that are um, are for mixed folks as well. And so I've got to have digitally break bread with. Um, with someone who runs one of those groups and, uh, and just share what I'm doing and talk about, you know, how much I didn't realize I needed to, uh, connect with folks. And, and to this, you know, to this point before I, I met this, uh, this woman, Gina, um, I'd heard about this group called mixed in the six. And, um, yeah, if you don't know, that's, uh, um, that's what Toronto, that's, that's what we call ourselves. Um, thanks to Drake. <laughs> uh, yeah, we, yeah. So mixed in the six and they had events and there's people I knew that were at them and I was dying to go to those events. And then the events stopped in 2019. And so just haven't really been able to connect with other folks. And I didn't realize I admitted this to Gina in our conversation. I didn't realize how desperate I was for it and how, again, this point of pride where I didn't want to admit and, and, and yeah, and I said like, is it some weird male ego thing? I wanted, I desperately ached to connect, but couldn't admit it, and so I just sort of kept that inside. And so it was a real step out to admit to this person as well that like, yeah, I've been longing to to go to events like this and just kind of 
be around people or have a connection and start to share my authentic self uh, or my evolving authentic self. And so things are looking up in that way. Um, I think I need, after years of not talking about it, I need to remind myself to do it. And uh, Militantly Mixed has been a blessing in those things coming up. And for two years, now that, I, now that I've been able to, to ramble on here, it's been quite a journey. And I'm a healthier person for it. And I'm getting more towards liking myself. Um, and so that's, you know, I'm, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for that. I, I often see how much further I have to go. It's been a neat two years. Um, and I think the more I admit that need to connect, that ache within, um, the more I acknowledge that part of me and try and nurture it, I think I'll make even uh, even more growth. And uh, I hope that um, continuing to be a part of the Militantly Mixed community uh, is in my future so that I can continue to process and grow with y'all. Happy two-year anniversary. Thank you, Charmaine. Thank you, y'all. Talk to you soon. Militantly Mix is a main hustle media podcast produced and hosted by me, Charmaine Fury. Music is by David Bogan, the one. You can follow us on social media on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Militantly Mixed. If you'd like to become a sponsor of Militantly Mixed, please go to patreon.com slash Militantly Mixed for monthly sponsorship or paypal.me slash Militantly Mixed for a one-time only donation. And if you like what you hear on Militantly Mixed, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to be your mixed-ass self. Main Hustle Media. Turn your side hustle into your main hustle.